It's Mattress Firm's President's Day Sale. Right now, save up to $600 when you get a king bed at a queen price and a queen for a twin. Like a Serta Perfect Sleeper Queen mattress now just $499.99. Plus, take home a free adjustable base when you spend just $499. Don't wait. Visit mattressfirm.com or a store near you for our best deal of the year. Your budget stretches further at Mattress Firm. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Welcome to the Daily Jungle. This week is flying, and we had ourselves a show, a big show. The Diamondbacks are moving on to play the Dodgers, and you'll get my take on that wild game last night. Cam Newton got himself into some trouble once again. Alex Morgan of the U.S. Women's National Team got hammered at Disneyland, a performance that would make even Hope Solo proud. And three excellent guests. We had Toronto Raptors GM Masayu Jerry. Dodgers manager Dave Roberts and Carolina Panthers DB Mike Adams. Alvy, go ahead and roll it. Anybody, anywhere, still trying to make the claim that the wild card is bad for baseball. Didn't think so. Because not only is it not bad, it's awesome. And yes, I do understand that a 162-game season deserves more than a one-and-done. But damn, these one-and-dones are awesome. Because they bring out some absolutely crazy scenarios. You know, like Minnesota chasing Luis Severino after one out and still getting hammered and losing that game. Or last night's Rockies Diamondbacks tilt. Because just like the AL wildcard game, the fireworks started early, like when Paul Goldschmidt did this in the first inning. Gray out of the stretch as his side. And the pitch on the way, and Goldie swings. High fly ball, deep left field, warning track wall. Touch him all, Goldie! A three-run homer! 3 nothing Diamondbacks! Diamondbacks Radio. Hey, be honest, you thought that game was over right then? And you really thought it was over when they stretched that lead to 4 to nothing in the second. With Zach Granke dealing on the mound. You may have even thought about switching off the game when Daniel Descalso did this in the bottom of the third. The 1-1 pitch on the way to Descalso. High fly ball, deep right field. There she goes. Two-run over to Scalzo. 6 nothing D-backs. So at that point, you're probably changing channels, right? Well, if you did that, you don't know the Rockies or Bud Black or wild card games because it was only getting started. There was no way the Colorado was going to grind for 162 games and then just lay down or mail it in after three innings, and they didn't. Instead, the Rocks did what they've done all season long. They went to work. One hit after another in the fourth. They knock out Granky, and before the inning's over, it's a 6-4 game. And if that's not one and done, you don't get the kind of drama and tension. You don't get something like Arizona using likely LDS Game 1 starter Robbie Ray because if you don't win this one, there is no LDS Game 1. So Colorado keeps on chipping away. They get it to 6-5 to five with two outs in the seventh. And Diamondbacks manager, Torrey Lovello, turns to Archie Brad- Bradley, who got the final out. And that was just the start of the Archie Bradley show. Because this guy comes up in the bottom of the seventh with a bat in his hands. Two on, two out, and then the most amazing thing ever happened. Here's Nisic's pitch, and Archie shot to left center field. That's going to gap it all the way to the wall. Two runs are going to score. Archie's into second. He's not going to stop. Here he comes to third. He slides in safely with a triple. Archie Bradley. 
8-5 D-backs. An incredible moment. We're talking about a career 0-98 hitter. Archie Bradley ripping a triple to deep left center and driving in a couple of runs. Two out hits will get you to heaven. And that one made Archie Bradley an even bigger legend, if that was possible. I'm going to say this guy went down to get that pitch is an understatement. He was one knee down, Adrian Beltre style. And he drove it to the wall. That ball took off, and then Archie Bradley took off. Now, the smart thing might have been to stop at second base, save his legs for pitching the next inning. But one and duns aren't about the smart thing. They're about going all out. They're about Archie Bradley. If anybody is worth a government, it's Archie Bradley. Except that his government, his government, Archie N. Bradley. It's not Archibald or Archer or Archerd or Archimedes. He's listed as just Archie, which is pretty awesome. Almost as awesome as this guy sliding into third base, jumping up, ripping off his helmet, and staring at the dugout and the stands, his massive beard rustling gently in the breeze that he left from sprinting around the bases. Eight to five Diamondbacks after seven. It should have ended the game. If it ended there, that would have been one of the all-time great games. But it didn't end it because the Rockies kept on doing their thing. And with Bradley a little tired and a little winded for taking that extra base on the mound, Nolan Arenado goes deep. Trevor Story follows him right after that. Suddenly, it's 8-7. to seven. So Arizona's got to dig deep, and they did. They get it to 11-7, but still, Colorado would not go away. Ian Desmond singles to start off the top of the ninth, and it felt like, here we go again. And he did score. But eventually, Fernando Rodney ended that game at 11-8, ended the rocky season, and then set off a celebration for the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I know. A champagne celebration after winning one game is a little bit whack. But when you win one of those games, you soak the room. You've earned it. Take it from Arch. Quote, today's awesome. Trust me. I'm really pumped for moving on. This is what you dream about. But at some point tonight, we're going to turn the page and realize this was one step of the process. One step of what we want to accomplish. And now it's about going to play the Dodgers and finding a way to beat them. End quote. It's a hell of a win. A hell of a win, and after watching the way this crew played last night and in the second half of the season, especially against the Dodgers, they're not done yet. They're not done yet, and I love that matchup. Dave Roberts is my guest. Dave, it's so good to have you back. How are you? Romy, what's happening? What's up, Skip? Great to have you on right before your series. How are things? Uh, Things are going well. We've had a couple good workouts. Uh, We got another one uh, today, uh, 6 o'clock. And, uh, you know, a bunch of meetings preparing for uh, now the Diamondbacks. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We've had a tremendous season, and the guys are pumped. All right, so you're in this thing right now. Let me ask you this. I know the expectations and the goals that you have for this team. So when the regular season was over, did you immediately start thinking about the postseason? Or, Dave, did you allow yourself to pour a glass of red stitch wine and take a moment (laughs) and reflect on what you've accomplished so far? Did you give yourself that moment? You know what, uh, Romy, I, you know what, Sunday uh, was a day that, so Saturday night's over, and Sunday was the only game in Colorado that really didn't have any meaning, and so, uh, yeah, on, on that uh, that Saturday night was, was nice, I actually enjoyed a nice bottle of champagne, no red stitch uh, on Saturday night in Denver, but uh, I, uh, that, and, and then, you know, we had the off day Monday, um, 
So it, I've had a chance to kind of reflect, but Romy, you know, when you're in the grind of something, it's kind of the day to day. And quickly, we turned our focus to Colorado and uh, Arizona to prepare. I get that. Dave Roberts, manager of the Dodgers, joining us. Right, so obviously, Arizona had some success against you the last two times they faced you in the regular season. What's your takeaway from those series? Or did you just say, this is the postseason and throw it out the window? I think it's, it's, it's one of those things that... Obviously, the familiarity, we know each other really well. And they're a heck of a ball club. Tori Lovello, uh, former Bruin, done a great job with those guys in his first uh, first go at this. And um, I, I just really don't think that uh, the regular season has any bearing outside of knowing each other's tendencies. And personnel, it comes down to execution and, and who plays better. And, and I know in game one, we've got Clayton going. Uh, we've got Richo going in game two. So if we pitch better and play better, then I like our chances. All right, so you've got Clayton going tomorrow. And for a long time, Dave, there was that rap about Kershaw and the postseason. And then he did what he did against the Nationals last year. And he buried that once and for all. This is a guy who has absolutely nothing left to prove. But when you're around him, do you feel like he approaches it like he's got a lot to prove? Yeah, yeah, I, I do, I do. And I don't think it's necessarily something to prove, Romy. I think it's more of this guy has nothing else that he's done. He hasn't, he's done everything in the game personally, um, but he wants to win a championship, so he's chasing that title. And so uh, that narrative with him in the postseason, I think that we put the kibosh, or he put the kibosh to that. And, and you look at the modern-day, Romy, how many guys pitch on short rest, and it's only Clayton standing alone. But he's not going to make any excuses. We're not making excuses. Uh He's our game one starter. He's going to start. Uh, if there is a game five, he's not going to go on short rest. But I think his only goal, goal Romy, is to win a championship. Los Angeles Dodgers manager Dave Roberts joins us once again. Now, the expectation is that you, Darvish, might get the start in game three. He's given up one earned run in the last three starts. What do you make of what you've seen from him since he arrived in that trade with the Rangers? Yeah, he's going to start game three. And I think it's it's more of this is a, this is a very uh, – information-driven guy. He's a very competitive guy, but I think that part of the Japanese culture and just being in a different environment, I think that he really wanted to impress being being that it was his first time being traded. Um, you know, he was with the Rangers and was comfortable over there, and so I think he wanted to make, it, make an impression and didn't go well early, but I think that now he's understanding that what we want to do as far as um, uh, advance and pitching and how to approach guys and work with Rick Honeycutt. They really have a great relationship. So I think now he's really confident, comfortable. And I, I'm telling you, Romy, the best is yet to come for, for you. All right. So now he, of course, was not with the team, Dave, last year. And when you compare this year's team to last year's, how different is it? I mean, there's certainly differences in the roster, but can you also feel like there's a difference in terms of attitude? I think that uh, the let me speak to the roster first. Uh, you, you mentioned you, you Darvish, and obviously Rich Hill's been healthy all year. So last year, if you look at the postseason, I just don't know how built we were with pitching to get the innings out of our starters, where I think that now we're in a great spot with our starting staff. And um, and as far as mentality, there's a lot of guys that came back from that that, uh, that loss in Chicago last year in Game 6 that have a, a bitter taste in their mouth. And we're a focus group, and I think that you look at the other clubs that are bouncing around, having a great time, but I think that we have our fun um, by winning baseball games, and it's a more blue-collar type group when you look at Justin Turner, Chase Utley, guys that we have, Corey Seager, guys on our roster. Um, but there's a, this is a focus group, though, Romy. Dave Roberts joining us. Then you've got Cody Bellinger, who was not with the team last year either. He led the team in home runs and RBI as a rookie. 
but it's going to be his first trip to the postseason in the majors. He's handled everything that's come his way. So do you feel like you need to do anything extra to help him get ready for the moment, or does he already have it under control? You don't even need to bring it up with him. I, I don't think that, uh, you know, um, I don't think that I'm going to say anything to Cody. Uh, I, I think I'll probably say a few things to, to the team, but I think that every player is going to handle this moment, this opportunity differently. And I think to, we understand the magnitude and, and Cody's got that great baseball pedigree and he's just a heck of a baseball player. So I don't think any moment is going to be too big for him, but I, I do encourage our guys and will encourage our guys to really uh, embrace this moment because it's a great opportunity. Then this is what we play for. Hey Dave, if I said to you at the start of the season that you'd win 104 games and a division title and have the best record in baseball, what would you have said to me? Uh, I would have said, Romy, you're thinking exactly what I'm thinking. So your prediction uh, is my prediction. I, uh, I, I thought all along, Romy, we had the best uh, team in the division. Uh, I figured we'd win the division. 104 games, that's a lot of wins. So uh, credit to the guys in the clubhouse, the front office, and this whole organization. Um, so now we took care of business in the regular season. We've got a new season in the postseason uh, to take care of. So uh, we've got to win the series here, and uh, we're looking forward to it. But we, we've taken care of business up to this point. So, Dave, before I let you go then, there was a lot of panic among Dodger fans during late August and early <laughs> September when things were not going as well. Did you yourself at any point ever panic? Romy, I'll tell you, man, I didn't panic, but I was like, man, can we just win one game? And and I think that, you know, the the reality check of losing three, four, five in a row would have sufficed. But, man, to lose 15 of 16 or whatever it was, that was a little obnoxious. Um, but it, was, it wasn't it was panic. It was because the guys were playing hard, man. And it's, it's tough to win a Major League Baseball game. But I do think that's behind us. And now we kind of got that fresh start, and we're in a good state of mind. So finally, you win 12 of your last 18. It was already a mentally tough team, but when you go through a losing streak like that and then you come out the other side, does that develop toughness even more? I mean, I'm not going to say that you want to go through something like that, but could you make the argument that maybe you're better for it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you can talk about you can talk about winning. You can talk about getting hit on the chin and bouncing back and overcoming adversity you can talk about all you want but until you do it there's just that little bit of doubt but our guys uh we got hit in the mouth and uh we battled back and we came out on the other side so i definitely think that we're better for it cam newton causing controversy at a press conference is not new he's got a history of weird press conference moments and he's taken some heat for how he's handled himself with the media sometimes fairly and sometimes unfairly when possibly people have read too much into his body language or his reactions. And at times I find myself defending him because of that. But there was no reading too much into that press conference yesterday. Let me give you the exchange between he and Charlotte Observer beat writer Jordan Rodrigue. Devin Funches has seemed to really embrace the physicality of his routes. Does that give you a little bit of an enjoyment to see him kind of truck sticking people out there? It's funny to hear a female talk about routes. Like, it's funny. But uh, fun is coming along, man. All right, so if it's so funny, why is nobody laughing? Because it's not funny. No, it's demeaning. It's belittling. It's misogynistic. It's moronic, honestly. I mean, I can go on. And if you haven't seen the clip, let me help you out here. When she says routes, Cam starts to smile, and the smile gets bigger and bigger. 
And it's at that point that he drops one of the more moronic statements you're going to hear. Devin Funches has seemed to really embrace the physicality of his routes. Does that give you a little bit of an enjoyment to see him kind of truck sticking people out there? It's funny to hear a female talk about routes. Like, it's funny. But uh, fun is coming along, man. I mean, I seriously can't believe that that guy made that statement. I mean, why not just chase that with the only route that you should know is the one to the kitchen. I mean, that would have been a real gut buster. Hey, uh, be a sweetheart and run a nine route to make me a sandwich. Oh, and yes, he did call reporter sweetheart back in the day as well. The only thing missing from that was calling the reporter little lady or something like that. I mean, what's with this guy? I seriously can't figure this out. The guy who couldn't stick around after the Super Bowl to do his job with the media thinks it's funny when a member of the media is actually doing her job. Now, I'd say that it's the 21st century, but women were covering this league and covering it well in the 20th century. I mean, would it be funny to hear Amy Trask talk about routes as the CEO of the Oakland Raiders or Pam Oliver or Michelle Tafoya or Andrea Kramer? I mean, that'd be hilarious, right, Cam? Here's the truth. Women have been covering the league longer than Cam has been alive. And they've gotten a lot of crap for it. And they've had to fight for that right. And I would have thought that we would have been way past this by now, but obviously we're not. Not if one of the faces of the league, a guy with a ton of endorsements, but one less endorsement. He's already lost one endorsement. A league MVP, no less, is dropping lines like, it's funny to hear a female talk about routes like it's funny, end quote. I mean, you know you've screwed up your answer in a press conference when the league jumps in immediately, and the league did, via an email from an NFL spokesman to PFT, quote, the comments are just plain wrong and disrespectful to the exceptional female reporters and all journalists who cover our league. They do not reflect the thinking of the league, end quote. Another good sign that you might be on the wrong side of an issue. Roddy White tweeted out his support for you. And that's exactly what Roddy did. Roddy said, quote, why is people making a fuss about Cam and the woman reporter? He laughed, then answered her question. But it was funny. First time for me, too. End quote. And then again, Roddy, of course, was the guy who tweeted during the Penn State Jerry Sandusky scandal, quote, I would send my kid there if he wanted to go. He wasn't raping football players. That's a great program that Jopa ran. End quote. And then it gets worse. Because after the press conference, according to the Charlotte Observer, she spoke to Newton to ask about what happened. And she asked him if he really didn't think that a female could understand routes. Cam Newton said that she wasn't really seeing specific routes when watching the game. She was just seeing if somebody was open. So according to him, not only is it funny to hear a woman do her job, but she doesn't actually even know her job. Keep in mind that he's talking to the Charlotte Observer beat writer who's been covering that team for a year. You know, I mentioned this on KROQ this morning, 106.7 here in L.A., I'm not going to bother giving you her resume, her work history, her backstory about how she became hooked on and so knowledgeable about football because I wouldn't do that for her male counterpart. 
the fact that the Charlotte Observer, the paper of record in Charlotte, where the Panthers are located, hired her as a beat writer, tells you pretty much everything you should know about her. She can do the job, she's doing it, and she'll keep doing it. And Cam should just do his job and learn something from that. In the meantime, this story now breaks. Black Sports Online did some digging and found that she posted some offensive tweets herself years ago. And now she's posted an apology on Twitter after three such tweets were found that were posted years ago. In two of the tweets, she referenced laughing at racist jokes. In the third, she used the word, it's an N-word, which I can't use here. And now she says, quote, I apologize for the offensive tweets from my Twitter account from four or five years ago. There is no excuse for these tweets and the sentiment behind them. I am deeply sorry, and I apologize. So now you have that. So she apologized. Good. She should. But it doesn't erase that. Doesn't erase the tweets. Doesn't erase that she tweeted that. And she's right when she says, there is no excuse for these tweets and the sentiment behind them. And she's right about that, too. Safety, Mike Adams is my guest. Listen, I know you're focused on the Lions, but can you take me back for a moment to that win over the Patriots in Foxborough? What was going through your mind as Graham Gano went out to kick that game-winning field goal? <laughs> Just make it. <laughs> right. But it was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a great game, you know. And, it, you know, it's hard to win in this league, and let alone go up in Foxborough and win on, on their turf. That, that was huge. So I, I, I just wanted him to make it. Just put it through the upright. All right, so what's a win like that do for the confidence of this team to go to the defending champs' house and beat them the way you did? Oh, it's, it's definitely a confidence booster. Uh, but the thing is, we just got to – this momentum, we got to ride it and ride the waves and just, just keep it going because uh, last thing you want is a, a fall off of production um, going into Detroit. So we just got to stay on our A game continue to focus on us, and um, hopefully we come out with that W. Mike Adams joining us. So Detroit's next up. Mike, when you look at Matthew Stafford and their offense, what is the thing that concerns you the most? Um, how explosive their backs are. You know, um, they got explosive receivers. They, they're just explosive on offense, period. You know, um, Stafford, he can really throw the ball, and he understands defenses. And he understands, and he got, a, he got a big arm, you know, so you can't just jump a route because he can – definitely throw it a long way and um their backs are special they can catch out of the backfield and one thing about them is uh and one thing they've shown on tape is yak um yards after the catch um them guys are tremendous in space so we've got to try to keep them close you know um stay tight and close to them so they won't um we minimize the yak minimize the yak is key you definitely want to minimize the yak always mike <laughs> adams joining us i like it all right so when you signed with carolina in the offseason what was it about the opportunity there that made you feel like that's a place where you wanted to sign and play uh first of all i, I just had a, it was the first time i had a chance to play with some warm weather <laughs> right uh in my career but uh other than that it was it was just um a no-brainer especially with the front seven we had here and um it just makes a DB's life and the safety's life so much easier when the front seven are, are as good as the, the Panthers. It might go back to that point about playing in warm weather. I mean, it seems like it's like half in jest, but there's something to it. Uh, talk about the reasoning behind that and how much difference does it make to finally play some games in warm weather? I mean, you'll find out, but how big a factor was that in your decision? 
Oh, it, it was a huge factor. I mean, I, I, even though I was in a dome in Indy, you know, um, it's different. Um, when you're coming from, when you're playing in the dome all the time and then you go outdoors in the cold, I mean, it, it's an adjustment. It's definitely an adjustment that you have to make. People don't understand with the humidity that you have to deal with um, in different places. So um, playing at home is definitely, um, that's why everybody wants to win at home, win their games at home, and they don't want to go on the road especially during the playoffs. We're talking to Mike Adams. Now, Mike, back in camp, you Instagram a pic of you and Christian McCaffrey, and you were a sophomore in high school when he was born. <laughs> that is an insane stat. What's it like being a veteran like that? <laughs> That's an insane stat. What's it like to be a veteran like that? I mean, you've been called OG, old school. What's it like to be in the locker room when you've got that kind of time in? Oh, man, it's, it's, it's pretty cool, man, oh, because I remember when I was – um, that young buck calling Brian Young old and, you know, calling Champ, well, Champ Belly, he was, he was, um, he was older, but he wasn't like that. But it, it's just different, you know, um, a different perspective and guys come, come to me, ask me questions and they look up to me, um, um, not just football, about life. So I, I, I'm, I embrace that. I embrace that and I, I love it. I mean, what's it like, for instance, when it comes to music? Are you coming from a totally different generation oh, and place? That, 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 that right there, Jim, that's where I have a problem at, when they playing all this other stuff, and I don't understand anything they're saying. And so I, I just bop my head to go along with it so <laughs> so I can seem cool. I just want to fit in with the young guys a little bit. Oh, that's but funny. Just, I do my two-step, and they do all these other weird dances. I don't know. Cam's <laughs> joining us. That's awesome. It really is. So when you went to your first Pro Bowl, Mike, at 34, and you went back again at 35, these were the first two of your career. How do you explain the fact that you're playing at such a high level at this point in your career? Um, the, the game has slowed down tremendously, one. And, and two, you know, um, I just try to take care of my body and make plays when, when needed be. Every time um, I get an opportunity, I just make that play. And I... I tip my hat off to um, the coaching I've been having um, and taking care of my body. So uh, I definitely um, took on that role and just did what I had to do. And I'm, I'm glad I made it because make it to the Pro Bowl, it was just like a big thing for me because it was voted by my peers. Like my people, everybody that played football, they acknowledged that I, I had a good year. So that helped. I'm talking to Mike Adams for a few more moments. You know, Mike, back in the day, John Fox – would talk about availability and responsibility. Yes, and those two yes. concepts stuck with you, right? What was it about those two things that resonated with you so much? Being available. You know, um, one thing about being available, everybody, you know, people get nicked up and hurt because they're not taking care of anybody. You're not doing the little thing. So being available, one, and responsibility, knowing what you have to do, being ready when, it, when it's time, and knowing your assignment things like that, and that definitely resonated with me, and I always remember Fox, um, not just because of that, because he was a great coach as well. Can't make the club in the tub, can you? Cannot oh, make you the cannot. club in the tub. Yeah. It's funny you said that. I was saying that, and the young guys were looking at me like I was crazy, and Ken, what's he talking about? No, I know, Mike, because I'm even older than you. You're older than them, I'm older than you, and even I know you can't make the club in the tub. Hey, let me let me ask you let me ask you about the interaction that Cam Newton had with that female reporter yesterday when he said, quote, it's funny to hear a female talk about routes like like it's funny. What was your reaction when you heard that? 
I thought I thought it was taken out of probably taken out of context. You know, uh, see, I, I know Cam now, and you know things get magnified. You know, just because uh, not just because he's Cam, because of who we are, and we are athletes. Um, but um, hopefully, they rectify the situation and, and move forward. But you know, it is what it is at this point. Mike, do you think they took it out of, out of context? Or, I mean, essentially, did he just say that? I mean, he, he said, quote, it's funny to hear a female talk about routes like it's funny. I mean, is that something you can really take out of context? Um, Possibly. You could. I mean, he was laughing and joking. See, I, I know him, so that's why I think I think it's really up. I don't know. I don't want to speculate, but it probably, I, I, I definitely think so. U.S. national team. Removed from the most magical place on earth for, quote, being too loadski. And they were. This email says, hey, Jimmos, can you imagine how awesome that incident at the Magic Kingdom would have been if one Hope Solo had been there? Steven S.A., war Hope Solo. Not, not even like war Hope Solo being there when that happened. Just war Hope Solo. Kind of like war everything she represents. Cowards. All right, so what they're talking about is this. If I'm talking soccer or U.S. women's national team, to be more specific, odds are it's not a good thing. And guess what? It's not. Again. If it's not Abby Wambach getting a DUI or Hope Solo getting busted for booze and traces of marijuana on the night before her wedding where she instructed partygoers not to cooperate with the police, reportedly, or Hope facing two counts of fourth-degree assault based on a claim that she drunkenly attacked her half-sister and nephew. You might remember, that was the time that Hope Solo was going psychotic. Hope Solo was going psychotic. She's beating people up, and we need I don't want to make light of a 911 call, regardless, but can we just say for a minute, can we take a step back? Step off that for a minute. That was her nephew. Her nephew who could not wait to name-check her. Like, normally if something like that happens, you don't want to get a family member in trouble, right? Especially your famous aunt. This guy's like, Hope Solo, H-O-P-E-S-O-L-O, Hope, Hope Solo. Yes, sir, what's going on? She's going psychotic. Hope Solo is going psychotic. She's beating people up, and we need help. The only thing missing was that middle name and age. Like, always shows up in published accounts, like... I don't even know what her name is. Like, Hope Betsy Solo, 32, Washington State. Hope Amelia Solo, 34, State of Washington. She's going psychotic. Or, I mean, that's not even it, right? Or Hope and hubby Jeremy Stevens getting busted for drunkenly joyriding a Team USA van. I mean, it seems like every time I talk about the U.S. women's national team, it's because one of them is getting mugshotted. Or DUI'd. Or now, as these emailers referenced, and this is not something I even want to get into necessarily, but you kept emailing about it, or getting kicked out of Disney World's Epcot Center. According to the Orlando Sentinel, Alex Morgan and five others were kicked out of Epcot after Epcot managers told police they were, quote, impaired and verbally aggressive. A deputy also wrote the following about Morgan, quote, I observed a white female who was later identified as Alexandria Morgan. 
yelling, screaming, and taking video and possibly pictures. She appeared to be highly impaired, end quote. And for lack of a better term, and here's the kicker, the deputy also added that Morgan was heard making, quote, a loud verbal statement that she knows the Orlando SWAT team. Whoa, hold up now. Wait a minute. It's one thing to drop a do you know who I am bomb on the 5-0, but this is something totally different. She went with the I know the Orlando SWAT team. She threw that card. Not you know who I am. Do you know who I am? Instead, I know the Orlando SWAT team. I mean, at that point, why are they still talking to her? At that point, why is there any issue? Why didn't you say you knew the Orlando SWAT team? In that case, you just go right ahead. You go right ahead and you continue to twerk on Mickey Mouse. You continue to act like a drunken mess as you ride Spaceship Earth. Go right ahead. Puke all over the Hall of Presidents. We didn't know that you knew the Orlando SWAT team. Why didn't you say so? Since when did Disney flip from the happiest place on earth to the humble, braggiest place on earth? Then again, I'd like to call that a humble brag, but it wasn't that humble. And is claiming to know the SWAT team really even a brag? That'd be like being escorted out of an NBA game and claiming, hey, 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 I know Air Bud. Look, of all the bad looks our country women or this country's women's soccer team has gotten over the years, and there have been some good ones. I don't want to say there haven't been good ones because there have been, but there have been some really bad ones. This one's right there. Right there. Well, if you take out anything having to do with Hope Solo, take all that stuff out, and then I would say this one's right there. Next time instead, hit the Mickey police with do you know who I am? Do that and then just fast pass your way onto test track or something. I know the SWAT team. All right. Back off. You're in before the end of the hour. What's up? Ah, Hope Solo is going psychotic. She's beating people up. We need help, Dad. We need help. Masai Ujiri is my guest. Let me ask you about training camp. It's underway. You're a couple of games into the preseason. How is camp going, and what do you make of what you've seen from your team so far? Um, I think it's gone well. We had a really good training camp in Victoria, uh, and then we went on to, uh, to Hawaii. Uh, I left the team after a, a day and a half. I saw the first game. I'm happy I didn't see the second one there because we didn't, we didn't play so well. But um, a couple of our guys, Kyle, Norm, a couple other guys didn't play. So um, I'll blame it on that. But it's still preseason. I think we're gelling. We're trying to play a little bit faster, uh, take a few more threes, and uh, try and get acquainted to a couple of the new guys, uh, CJ Miles. Um, it's Sergi Baca's first training camp with us. So um, it's gone as well as we um, can ask for. Knock wood here, you know, the, the, you just want to go through this period, uh, Jim, with no injuries and, you know, everybody kind of trying to get in sync. But um, our guys came into camp in really, really good shape, and I think that was, that was a huge positive for Coach Casey. Masai Jerry joining us. Now, Masai, you mentioned Kyle and Serge. So let me ask you about those two, Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka. They were going to be free agents. If you wanted to, you could have started a youth movement right then and there. How much consideration did you give to maybe not bringing those two back? Uh, we looked at all possible scenarios and what was good for our team. And uh, honestly, Jim, we looked at um, um, where we are um, as a team and 
kind of where we've been the last couple of years and felt that, you know, owing it to these guys, whether it's Casey, whether it's Kyle, whether it's DeMar, um, just keep, you know, like uh, 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 trying, you know, for the next couple of years and see where we uh, see where we go. This time around, we're going to try and develop our young guys as we go um, and try and win, which is a difficult thing to do sometimes. But um, I think the, the the core of the the core of the team, you know, have um, have proved that they can at least win consistently. And, and now the issue is not winning; is how do you get to that championship level? And that's a tough place to get to in the NBA. And uh, we'll keep trying. So, and we knew two of those guys were a big part of maybe making that try uh, uh, with Serge Ibaka and, and signing Kyle Lowry, too. We're talking Toronto Raptors basketball. The president of the team, Masai Ujiri, joins us. Now, you have been consistent. In fact, you've been one of the top three teams in the East consistently, but there's been some pretty significant change in the conference. So when you look at the Cavs offseason and their changes, plus the fact that Boston is going to integrate some new pieces, does it feel to you like there's an opportunity right now? Uh, you know, I think all those teams are going to do what they have to do, you know, and uh, that was a pretty interesting trade, you know, like uh, surprising, I'm, so, I'm sure, for a lot of people um, that it was done between those, those two teams. So when trades are done like that, you know, teams like us hope that, um, you, that um, it takes time for them to gel or, um, you know, it goes in our, in our favor, but... Honestly, like in the NBA, you pay attention to what's happening in the league. You look at other teams. Your your biggest worry and your biggest focus is your team. You know, like so, our focus is on our team and how we build um, uh, going into going into the season uh, in a couple of weeks. So, honestly, like it doesn't. Those teams, um, uh, they're really they're great teams. You know, like but um, they're going to be great teams in the league. And if you continue being too concerned about that, you never make the progress that you want, you know. So our job is to beat them, and that's what we're going to try to do. You know, Masai, it seems to me on that very point that you could look at Golden State and you can look at the Cavaliers and the way they've dominated their respective conferences, and maybe, I mean, you might or you could say, hey, we have to just wait for these guys either to age out or to let that run play out because we just can't go head-to-head with them. It seems to me you've never been that kind of guy, that when you see teams like that, does the challenge of beating the Cavaliers or Boston or Golden State, does that fire you up and motivate you even more as opposed to just waiting for them to go away. Yeah, well, I wouldn't put Boston in that category. Uh, honestly, Jim, you know, like those with Cleveland and, and, and Golden State have won, you know, like so um, I, I, Boston still have sure. to do it, you know, like for us to uh, for us to uh, get them in that, in that category. But um, with those other guys, I mean, if I remember, you know, we were speaking uh, uh, about like teams like Miami in those days, you know, it all comes to an end somewhere. That's just the NBA, you know, like um, Kyrie Irving leaving um, uh, Cleveland, you know, like uh, those things, Isaiah Thomas, you, it almost felt like something was, they were, it, it just felt like Boston was coming, you know, like, and then this happened. So there are many things, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying good or bad, but there are many things in the NBA that could happen, you know, like, so we don't, from my position, we honestly don't look at it as, you know, oh, those great teams and we'll just wait for them, you know, uh, you have to try and beat them, you have to try and destabilize, you have to, that's, that's our work, that's, that's why we're here and um, we're not backing down from any of those guys and I know all the other teams are going to try and beat them uh, too, um, we do respect them and where they are. Um, with their with their positions and 
how good their teams are. But um, you never know in this NBA. That's one thing with our league. You know, like it's very, um, it's not predictable at all. And Masai, you're doing amazing work with Giants of Africa. I would imagine that would be absolutely heartbreaking to see. It's heartbreaking to even hear. Toronto's going to open up against Portland tomorrow night, or I should say the season opener is against Chicago on the 19th, but they're going to play Portland tomorrow night. Masai, it is so great to get caught up. i got about 60 seconds, and I have to ask, of course, you famously used that BlackBerry for so long. You were using a Google phone last time I asked you. What phone are you using right now? Oh, I was going to tell you, Jim, I had to break the news to you. I'm back. BlackBerry, man, oh. the key one. I got the I got the gray one, and I've actually like ordered the black one now. So I'm back on BlackBerry, and I'm a very happy man. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm proud of you. I'm actually thrilled to hear that. I did not think that you would be going back. So how do you like that key one? I love it. I love it. It's, uh, it's a slick phone. It looks good, too. So I, like, I, I'm trying to look slick, as, as, and it works well. So it looks, it, I, I love it. Hey, it works really you, good. I, I have to ask you really quickly, that physical keyboard, do you find yourself typing faster, or did you have to get acclimated to it once again? Nah, faster. I, I think I'm sure it's like that for you, too. Once BlackBerry, it's all, it lives in you forever. As soon as you get it back, you just start like, typing right away. So I love it's, it. it's, been, it's been great to have it back. Case Savage in Texas. Let's go to the phones. Case Savage, what's going on? Hey, Rome. What's happening, partner? What's up, partner? How you doing, Caitlin? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you? Great. Everything's good here. Good, good. Well, you know, I'm coming for Cam Cam, the idiot man. Is it funny that I can shoot, skin, and quarter my own buck? Is it funny that I can bait my own hook, cast a line, and reel in a red? All the while wearing sparkle earrings and hot pink nails? Give me a break. Just because we have a nice set of dairy pillows doesn't mean we can't comprehend when you use the word route. Okay, I'm going to call this play we worked on, and when I say a silly word, then you zigzag down the field, turn around, and catch the ball. Got it. Whatever, Cam Newton. Keep trying to be a 1970s pimp daddy, and you can suck my lady sports balls. War lady clones, I'm out. Caitlin, easy. I guess there's no doubting whether or not she exists now. We know she's a real thing now. Caitlin, maybe you save that for the voicemail. Maybe hit us up on voicemail on the weekend, Caitlin. Boy, she's getting comfortable. Clones, thank you for listening, and thank you once again for downloading the Jim Rome Podcast. Catch episode six. It is now available. And then check back tomorrow for more Daily Jungle. We'll see you then. You ever hear something and know the world will never be the same? Houston, we have liftoff. Well, wait until you hear this one. Half price coffee. That's right. Get into McDonald's weekdays before 10.30 a.m. for any size premium roast coffee or iced coffee. Both made with 100% Arabica beans, both half the price. Good is brewing. And that's the sound of your morning changing. Limited time only. May not be combined with any offer or combo meal at participating McDonald's.